Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Brian Bacawat BMT Fitness Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be discussing what is the best diet and how to choose the right one, so stay tuned for that. What is the best diet is probably the most important, or sorry, no, the most common question that I get asked in regards to nutrition. And to be fair, people have the right to ask that question a lot because there are many different diet approaches out there. Some, you know, include things like the carnivore diet, the keto diet, the low carb diet, the Atkins diet, the Mediterranean diet, the eat all you can diet, and on and on. And there's so many things out there. And it also doesn't help when you have hardcore fans of, no, every diet approach has hardcore fans who believe that the only way to get to the results that you want is by following their approaches and that every other method is bullshit and doesn't work and that you should follow their approach whichever it may be so those types of people who are very hardcore and very narrow-minded into that one particular diet approach or training program are the people that i don't like they're the type of people who would swear on their mother's grave that their approach works best for everyone and that everyone should be doing whatever they are doing. As such, the true answer is that, well, first, you need to know what your goal is, whether it be fat loss, muscle gain, general health improvement, and so on. From there, you gotta realize that the best diet approach is the one that's gonna work for you. Done. That, if all you wanted to know was which diet approach is best, there's your answer. It's the one that's gonna work best for you. If you want to know what I mean when I say that all diet approaches work, but you need to determine which one works best for you, keep listening. But if you don't, and you just wanted to hear the answer, then there's your answer. So now you can get on with your day and stop playing this podcast. But for those who are still with me, we're going to delve into the guidelines that I use to help people determine which diet approach might work best for them. So the following are just the guidelines that I use to help me determine which diet approach I would recommend to my client or to anyone who asks about nutrition advice. So the first guideline that I look at is your environment. It's often the most overlooked factor. Uh, By environment, I mean your work environment and your social environment and your home environment. Those are pretty much the three important variables that I look at when it comes to environment. So I'll give you guys an example of what I mean. So for I am of Filipino descent and I live with my family. And I know for a fact that my mother is always going to have some sort of rice based meal ready for dinner. So also when I go out with my friends we tend to go to a lot of Asian restaurants which are rice and noodle heavy. So say for example that I was convinced that low carb is the way to go I always have to eat something different from my family and I would probably not go out with my friends just so I can stay on my diet I mean that is how hardcore some people get and in a second I'm going to go into a story about a friend of mine who did just that 
But to carry on with my point about me and carbs, I will most likely not go on a zero carb diet. I will go on a low carb diet, but I won't completely get rid of carbohydrates because you don't need to. Now, certain individuals do do best by cutting it out completely. But again, that's a story for a whole nother podcast because I just want to be given the general advice for most people. And if you don't have any medical conditions such as diabetes and metabolic conditions like that, then you don't need to go zero carbs. So the story that I promised is a quick tangent. So I have a friend who went on the ketogenic diet a couple of months ago, maybe years now. And I remember that there was a time when this was, you know, obviously pre-COVID, when we went to a restaurant that wasn't keto friendly and my friend didn't show up. And I asked him a few days later why he didn't show up. And he said that I didn't want to break my diet. Mind you, my friend was getting amazing results doing the keto diet. But is it really worth it if you can't hang out with your friends and family and go out in social situations in fear of breaking the diet and gaining weight back? I mean, that's a question that's different for everyone. If I ask that to a lot of people, they will all have different answers. Some will say it's worth it, others not so much. But the main point that I'm trying to make here is that you need to pick a nutrition or eating habit that will fit into your current lifestyle and not the other way around. The less you have to change around to perform the diet consistently, then the higher likely chance that you'll stick with it. Remember guys, consistency equals results. Alright, so consideration number one that I take into account is your environment. Your social, your home environment, and your work environment. And whatever other environments that will come up when I'm talking with someone. Consideration number two are your cultural, religious, or ethical beliefs. What I mean by this is obviously if you're from a culture that doesn't allow you to eat certain types of food or food groups like Hinduism with beef or you're from a religion like Islam where you can't eat pork then you probably aren't going to eat that type of food. Other than cultural and religious reasons ethical belief plays a big part in why someone may choose to go plant-based over a regular diet that includes meat. Now, I'm not against people who go vegetarian or are vegan. Plenty of people can still get the results that they want doing so. The point that I'm trying to make here is that you don't need to go vegetarian, vegan, paleo, low fat, and whatever else that you may think of if it's not against your cultural, religious, and ethical beliefs. If you're being told to do so because your friend Sally lost a lot of weight doing, let's say, keto diet then it might not be the best approach for you like I keep talking about in my writing and my podcast you need to tailor it specifically for you and your circumstances now the final thing that I'm going to touch on with consideration too is that any approach done 80 to 90 percent of the time seven days a week 
will get superior results to a diet performed 100% of the time, but it's not consistent. And it doesn't matter what diet approach that is, you just need to find one that is going to work for you. Consideration number three is including foods that you enjoy and not completely cutting them out. So what I mean by this is are you going to be enjoying the foods that is in the diet? Let's say for example you don't enjoy eating fatty foods, you wouldn't go on the keto diet because that diet consists diet mostly consists of fatty foods like bacon and a lot of oil and those kind of things. And the same goes for any eating approach that restricts a specific type of food or macronutrients. Macronutrients being protein, fats and carbs. If the majority of the food that you're allowed to eat is not something you enjoy, you probably won't do it long enough to see a result. That means if you love meat, but somehow get convinced that veganism is the way to go, then chances are you aren't going to be sticking to that vegan diet. Again, these scenarios are hypothetical. Each one of us is going to react differently to each situation. However, the point that I'm trying to make is that if you enjoy a specific type of food or food group and it's going to help you stay consistent over the long term, then you don't need to completely cut it out. Alright, so consideration four that we're going to go through now is should you go cold turkey? Okay, so what I mean by this is that a lot of people when they start off with a new diet approach get excited. Now, it doesn't mean which diet they undertake, whether it be the paleo, keto, whatever it may be. Their strategy usually goes something like this. Stop eating foods that they perceive as bad and those usually come in the form of high calorie, low nutrition type foods and replace them with low calorie, high nutrition foods. So the healthy stuff that most people think is healthy. They will then try and maintain a healthy eating regime until they can't anymore. So you've heard stories of people who would be very good for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, but then something will happen in their lives and then they end up eating like they were before the diet. Now, this is something that obviously everyone knows you shouldn't do, but a lot of people still get stuck into that mindset and into that routine of clean for a few weeks eating clean sorry for a few weeks and then going back to your diet because something disrupts your diet routine so from here normally what I see happen is two things the first one which is the most common thing that I see for most general population gym goers is that they completely fall off the bandwagon because they were suppressing their desire for for, for high calorie low nutrition food they'll uh, you know people will suppress their urge for so long that they can't control themselves anymore and what will normally happen is they will start eating everything that they have been avoiding the past few days weeks or months or however long they have been on for that diet now like I said that's probably a good number of the population out there which do that now option two is something that not 
as many people do, but I think it's the better way to go, which is once you start feeling that craving, you have that thing you've been craving, you realize that you didn't want it that bad and that you didn't break your diet just because you had something you weren't supposed to, whether it be a cake or a cookie, ice cream or whatever you're into, and then just hop back onto the diet wagon as soon as you had that indulgent food. Now, how you react to that scenario above will determine which diet approach works best for you. If you sound more like person one, then going completely cold turkey may not be the best strategy for you. If you are like person number two, then going cold turkey may be beneficial. Again, what I'm trying to do, I don't want to confuse anyone, but I'm trying to lay out all the considerations that you need to take when deciding which diet approach to undertake. Typically, I wouldn't recommend a cold turkey diet approach. The reason is you might get to your goal quicker, but can you maintain that weight or that body fat for a long period of time? Even bodybuilders and fitness models only go super clean for up to three to six months leading up to their competition. But outside of their competition prep, you'll see that they'll have a more balanced diet and allow themselves to eat the foods that they enjoy. And from my personal experience of coaching hundreds of general population clients, going cold turkey works wonders if you have a short-term goal. Goal, sorry. For example, your wedding is in six months and you want to have biceps popping out of your tux. So, you know, doing a cold turkey approach will be beneficial for those type of goals. Like, I have a school reunion in three months. I want to look the best because I didn't look good in high school, whatever it may be. The main issue with the cold turkey approach is that by restricting all bad foods, you don't build the right habits to be able to sustain the diet in the long term. That's why I generally recommend a slow and steady approach to nutrition and dieting. Okay, so consideration number five, factor number five that we're going to go through today and the final one for this podcast is slow and steady wins the race. So this is essentially the opposite of the cold turkey method and I briefly talked about the slow and steady approach in the earlier um, factor. However, on this one, I'm just going to elaborate on it a little more and give people an example of how I would use the slow and steady approach to help someone change their nutrition habit. Okay, so first, I would ask my clients the following question. What is the easiest thing you can change with your current nutrition to help you get to your results? Now, I let them stew on it for a little bit and pretty much whatever you come up with you go with that so for example let's say someone says oh you know I don't really eat any fruits during the day maybe I'll have one or two so that's a simple goal anyone can do another one can be drinking two liters of water daily or incorporating vegetables or salad in one meal you don't want it to be too complicated because again the more complicated it is, the less likely that we're going to do it long term. Keep it simple. I'm a really big fan of the KISS acronym. Keep it simple, stupid. So, yeah, keep it simple. Now, I believe that this method 
is the right way for 90% of the general population to go. The reason for this is because if you do it right, you'll get the results that you want. The key is to pick changes that seamlessly fit into your life and won't interfere too much with your current lifestyle. So going back to the examples I gave below, drinking an extra 600 ml water per day wouldn't be a problem for most people. Now once that habit becomes automatic, as in you are drinking water like clockwork and you're going to the bathroom regularly over a couple of weeks, which is the time frame is going to vary depending on the individual and the habit that you are trying to change. Once you get the hang of that habit, you can add another one on top of that. It's like the habit stacking method that I talked about in the fitness, <clears throat> sorry, in the program design um, podcast. I think it was number two. Um, yeah, so the question that I would use to help you to for you to ask yourself to find which one which habit you should change is what is the easiest thing you can change with your current nutrition to help you get to your goals. Like I said before, this process takes time. However, it is worth it. Realistically, unless you are an athlete needing to make a specific weight class or a bodybuilding or fitness model getting ready for a show or photo shoot, then there's no need to rush. I'm sure when you read that you're like, but I want it now. Well, keep in mind that the more aggressive the method you use, the higher likely chance of a rebound effect. I know in, to this, in today's day and age, we've been sold that everything has to happen now. But as we probably already know in the back of our minds, the, great, the good things happen, take time to happen. Of course, like I mentioned, there are always exceptions to the rule of the slow and steady method. And that is to hire a coach or a trainer who has, who has experience with what you want to achieve. If it's a bodybuilding show or you want to be a bodybuilder, hire a bodybuilding coach. If it's a powerlifting event that you want to enter, then hire a powerlifting coach. Now, this isn't to add to sell, this isn't an ad to sell my services or anything like that, although it seems like it. But hiring a coach with the right knowledge and experience is like taking a shortcut. You're still doing the work, but they'll help guide you through the path and help you get there as quick and safe as possible if they know what they're talking about. Again, it's going to come down to the coach. And yeah, so a quick side tangent that's not in the original article. That is probably the biggest thing that I learned over the years to hire a coach even if it's short term, just to make sure that you're doing things properly and to validate the thoughts that you have in your head. What I mean by that is, you know, you get like, after being exposed to a lot of different things in the fitness industry or in life in general, you just start to form your own opinions on things and then you start doing it. So it's just good to get an expert who knows everything about that particular topic and have a chat with them and see if you are going down the right path because I'm sure I'm not the only one who spent a lot of time doing the wrong things and is now paying for it later on down the track. I'm talking about my injuries and whatnot from lifting incorrectly but I'm sure you guys have your own stories and I would like to hear about them so feel free to give me a message on Insta it's at Brian B-R-Y-A-N 
Bacawat, B-A-C-A-O-A-T, fitness. Find me there and send me a DM. But for now, we are going to conclude this podcast. So now we're going to summarize the article that we just went through. So what is the biggest takeaway that I want you guys to get from this? It is that you shouldn't do a diet because it seems popular and that your friend Sally used it to lose a lot of weight. It might sound tempting, but everyone is different. We have different likes and dislikes. How we react to things that happen around us is different and so on. There are a lot of factors and everyone has different ones. So it's too much to go into without dragging the podcast on. There is no one size fits all diet approach. My best advice to you would be to try and see if the diet works for you by doing it consistently over a long period of time. Now, that is the probably, again, probably the, the one of the biggest takeaway from this podcast. So the first one is there is no one size fits all when it comes to your goal and that you shouldn't be a diet hopper. Now, a diet hopper is someone who goes from one diet to the next every few days or every few weeks. They're the types of people that one week they're doing keto, the other week they're doing, I don't know, freaking um, high-carb diet, the next week they're doing something else and this and that and on and on it goes. So diet hopping similar to program hopping with training where you change your program regularly because for some reason the body needs to confuse itself for you to get results which is completely bullshit um you do need to change it up every couple of weeks and months not like every fucking day or week that's just fucking ridiculous so diet hopping will guarantee that you don't make any progress Again, a lot of it will come down to trial and error. You just need to find one that works for you and that you can maintain or best do 80 to 90% of the time for the rest of your life. Because that's how long you should be aiming to keep a diet routine going. So, yeah. Again, I'm not trying to sell the services of of me or my colleagues, but if you want to cut down the trial and error time, then hire a coach who knows what they are doing, whether it's training or nutrition. All right, so till the next time, guys, this is Coach Brian saying peace.